Hey everybody, welcome to We've Got Nostalgia, a Doof Media podcast series where we look back on our time with Wildbo's web serial ward. My name is Matt Freeman and I am your host. And I am Scott Daly and I am your passenger. Ah. Get it? Because it's like a, it's a, it's a pair of humans joke. Oh, I get it now. Matt, it has been two years, if you can believe it. It has been two years since we wrapped up our coverage of Wild Bo's Ward. Our last episode after Ward was released on May 13th, 2020. We were in the middle of a pandemic that now here, two years in the future, has been totally solved. And uh, <laughs> and we thought uh, it would it would be fun um, to kind of come back two years later and, th- and think about this book and our time with it um, and see how how things have changed over the past two years because you know um I, I don't know I don't know Matt I, I just like I, I'm really interested in how people's opinions towards the art they consume changes over time you know yeah right I mean what was interesting in our particular case is we have a detailed record of every single thought <laughs> that we had related to this book back when we were reading it yeah and it's not like I'm gonna go back and listen to everything that I said about it practically speaking. But it is interesting to consider like what what stuck with me, you know, what maybe um, didn't stick with me. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that's that's fine. That's not some indictment of the story. But uh, definitely, as I was thinking back on it, I was realizing like, yeah, some of these things from the story did actually kind of become fixtures of my worldview, um, to put it uh, broadly. Um, and then and then, you know, a lot of other stuff is just like, yeah, it's a story that I read. It's not, it's not life changing. But yeah, sure. as you say, very interesting to reflect back on things, um, especially something that was this important to us. Yeah, d- definitely. And, and, you know, honestly, we thought about doing this a year ago and we even, you know, made a post in the Parahuman subreddit about it, kind of soliciting responses about what people are thinking about Ward a year later. And we never released the episode. We never recorded that episode because um, that subreddit became a place for people to just reignite old arguments about the book and that is not a, the conversation we wanted to have so we just kind of looked at that and people arguing about ward again and said yeah let's take some more time away from this thing and yeah. so we waited another year and here we are and i'm I'm excited about this now you and i have not talked about wild bow in literally 24 months yeah that's true that's true so um I mean, I, I have some thoughts. I spent I spent all day kind of just just letting myself dip back into that world and and remember, yeah. um, you know, a lot's changed for sure. I mean, we we've been doing our Stephen King podcast this entire time, and I feel like I've I've changed in many ways and picked up more tools and more ways of looking at things since then. And one thing that's kind of going to maybe going to be fun to me in this conversation is trying to apply those to the perihumans stories. Yeah, definitely. And and I think this conversation is probably going to mostly focus on Ward, probably. I mean, I, I think obviously we read Worm before that and we just went right into it without taking any breaks. But I, I don't know. I look at I look at our coverage of Ward as something unique and different as compared to everything else we've done. You know, like even even Kingslingers right now is covering Stephen King books that have been written and have been published for years. Like covering something live is just a complete different animal altogether as, as our friends over at uh, pale reflections are experiencing right now as they move into, into year, year three of, of pale. Um, yeah. And I, so 
I don't know. I guess I guess the place to start with is have you reread any parahuman stuff since we we wrapped up the show? Well, not in a bulk fashion, but I, I think I have gone in and reread an interlude a couple times here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, just the ones that I loved, you know, but not not often. I mean, you and I, between all of our projects, we have like basically two books a month of, of reading that we're obligated to. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, extra sometimes. Yeah. So for, I, I, pl- I don't... plus that thing called reading for fun that uh, we occasionally get to do. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing is the read that this this would have to fit into my reading for fun budget, which, um, you know, right now that's just my Elden Ring budget. So, um, <laughs> um, so no, I haven't really. Have, have you have you dipped back into it? Honestly, I have not read a single word of this book uh, since we we left it behind until today when I went back and I, I did read the final chapter of, of Ward again just to like get myself into the mindset of Wild Bo's writing and uh, and exactly where we we left that book off. Um, I. You know, I, I kept current with Pale for all of um, one arc, and then I fell behind. And then the the idea of trying to catch up with that story is so daunting to me that I just haven't I haven't touched it. Um, and yeah. th- I mean, like, I'm not I'm not like like disappointed with myself or anything about that. Um, I wish the only the only regret with that is that I can't be listening to Ruben and Elliot do their thing um, because I haven't read the book. So I've just kind of had to leave behind listening to their podcast, which bums me out. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the break we've we've taken. I, I keep telling myself I'll get to it eventually. But gosh, it's it's a big book now. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's one interesting thing that we could talk about is is the difference of the experience in reading a, a completed web serial versus a web serial being written week by week. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I read all of Worm when it, you know, when it was already done. Um, I read all of Twig when it was already done. No, that's a complete lie. That's the opposite of the point I was trying to make. <laughs> I read I read tweet Twig week to week. Uh-huh. Um and or you know, chapter to chapter. And like, it's such a completely different reading experience. And, and then of course we read Worm week to week, obviously at Ward, I can't mm-hmm. talk. We read Ward week to week uh, as it was coming out. Um, and, and I think for me personally, I actually think that I prefer waiting for a thing to be done and then kind of binging it. Like the thing is there's such different experiences. There's such qualitatively different experiences and they both have pros and cons to them. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing about reading it week to week is that you don't like lose your mind um, for a month as you're, as you're binging something that's that enormous, uh, which is what happened to me with Pact, for example, where <laughs> like I was just so, I was so like into it that I was like, you know, like your, your mental state is being affected when it's like a really dark story. Mm-hmm. And I love dark stories, you know, but, but it's just true. Um, so, all that being said, like the reason I haven't kept up with Pact, although I, I, I st- think I stayed on the train for maybe five or five or six arcs, I um I was just like, you know, I think I I think I will prefer to just read this when it's done, and I don't know, I'd be interested to hear other people's thoughts on on that. Both obviously interesting, and I, I feel like I'm missing something from the web serial experience by not keeping up with it because part of the fun is always like getting into the threads and theorizing with people and stuff. Um, I think it's just that I have like so much other stuff going on. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have time for that, you know? Yeah. That, I, I, that's, that's where I'm at. I mean, you know, with, with the responsibilities that we already have, the responsibilities of my other job and my family, like just the idea of, of following along 
with that live is something I just don't think I can do anymore. And frankly, I don't know if it was ever something I could do. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to keep up with Ward had I not had to do a show on it. Like having to do the show every week is what kind of made me read those chapters, even when there were moments where, you know, as much as I was enjoying the book, I just kind of didn't feel like reading uh, 10,000 words on a computer screen this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, but but I had to, so I did it. Um, and so, yeah, not having to have that constant responsibility, it's very easy to fall behind. And then and then it just becomes really daunting. I mean, it's the same with like the other entertainment I, I enjoy. Like I'm watching so many television shows right now. I'm probably concurrently watching like 10 TV shows with my wife. And th- there's at least two of them that we've fallen behind on. And just the idea of like, oh, we got to watch four more episodes of this one to catch up. Uh, let's just do it. Let's just deal with that later. Let's just let it fall behind. Um, and that's that's kind of the way web serials work for me and I, I like you know we've had many people over the course of the last two years kind of say you know i hope you do web serials again like here's here's this great one and this great one and this great one and i don't know man i i i don't know if i love the medium as much as i as as other people do i guess um mm-hmm. like I, it's not that i don't enjoy serialized storytelling in general um i i just think like I like having a book and reading the book and being finished and putting it down and picking up something else. Like I love the idea of seasons, right? Like with television or like, you know, for a Stephen King example, since he's on our brain, he released the book, uh, the green mile in like five different books. He released that serially. So he had five different novella sized books that he released over the course of a few months. And like the idea of getting that and reading that and being done. And then the next one comes out in a few months and then you pick up that. The, but like this, the idea of, of the web serial is like concurrent, constant updates that just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. Um, it's, it's almost too much for me sometimes. Yeah. I think it can even change over the course of your life as, as sure. you know, maybe you, you lose uh, slots for certain forms of entertainment or, or then maybe other slots open up. You know, I mean, one thing I think a lot of people noticed is that their overall uh, ability to keep up with podcasts just completely fell off um, during the more, you know, restrictive phases of the pandemic because people weren't driving. Yeah. Um, and it's like, well, so, so like you're just, you're, you know, you're still just sitting around for all those hours you would have been driving, but it's like, yeah, but you got other stuff to do. Like, like driving is the perfect time to listen to that kind of content. And when that slot goes away, you're not going to say to yourself like, well, I got to find time to listen to the pod. That's just not what it's for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And in the same way, like I think at different times in my life, I've had, I've had like a natural slot where it made a lot of sense for me to, you know, like I would get into the habit of just like crashing after work and, and pulling out my phone and reading, um, you know, packed, for example, that was like just my kind of, that's where it fit in. And then, and then, you know, different things, th- things shift around and then that, that, that opening kind of disappears and different forms of media lend themselves to different, um, situations in your mm-hmm. life. So. Um, yeah. I also think it, it helped that I had a job at the time we were reading Ward that allowed me to read <laughs> the book in the middle <laughs> of the day that I could get away with doing that. Um, and I just don't have that anymore right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, uh, it's just, yeah, things change and, and it's different, but I'm curious though, to, to move on to kind of Ward specifically, 
how have your feelings on this book changed over the past couple of years? Because we, we, I think we talked about this in our final episode, the idea that the further you move away from something, the more your experience with it flattens naturally a bit. There's less dimension to it because you have less of a clear memory of it. Um, and, and that can change. And maybe the, the stuff that you liked gets elevated or the stuff that annoyed you gets elevated or, or the story itself just kind of fades to the point where you really don't have an opinion. So what, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what do you feel about Ward right now? Well, over time, what has happened is I think parahumans in general, including Ward, has has kind of become a bunch of parables that help me think through moral conflicts or emotional situations. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is kind of what the story is. It's a whole uh, just, both of them. They're a whole bunch of a whole bunch of interesting characters who are given interesting flaws and there's so many of them that whatever you're struggling with in your life you you can usually think of a a parahumans character who this kind of maps onto or at least reminds you of and or or not just yourself but people in your life you can kind of think to yourself like you know you're these problems you're having really kind of you kind of remind me of ashley and maybe you don't say that to them but uh, I hope you don't, because I, mean, I don't know how they would react to that at all. If you know them really well, you can say that to them. <laughs> um, if you don't know them really well, then you just use that as a little bit of a scaffolding for your thinking. Like, okay, well, how, you know, it, let's let's assume for the sake of, you know, thinking through the problem that that that, that is a good model of this person's psychology. What, what, what helped Ashley in that situation, right? And, um, you know, I think I think the stories are actually full of a lot of, wisdom which is interesting because they're you know rip-roaring entertaining superhero superhero stories but i think there's a lot of like extremely careful and precise psychology in them which is frankly the thing that i always kind of thought was special and unique about them Mm because you can get superheroes punching each other anywhere really um so yeah that's 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 what stands out to me after all this time is the 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 moral dimension and the psychological dimension um you know, I think a lot of the plot stuff, I don't want to say faded because I could probably still give you a, a quite accurate summary of, of Ward. It's just um, anything that you haven't read for a while, you, you just uh, it just kind of fades into the background. Yeah, yeah the, the, the plot is the first thing that I lose as I move further away from something. Um, yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like the, the, the overall movements of the story, I think I could pick up on still. But for the most part. I, I I don't I don't really remember the details of a lot of the plot, but the character and the character movements and the things the characters go through and like like you said, the theming are things that really still stick in my brain a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And and honestly, the things that I, I continue to remain impressed about. I mean, I, I I when we finished this book, I think we were very, very positive on it. Generally, um, I think we had a few quibbles and, and complaints here and there as the story went on. Um, I, I think I felt it was a little too meandery at times, but, but overall um, we've really enjoyed our time with it. And f- I mean, for me personally, the good parts have just like, like elevated to a point where like uh, they will be things I think about when I think about like all time best pulling off of what a storyteller was trying to do, you know, mm-hmm. like, when I think about the things Victoria went through, when I think about um, uh, Ashley was a great thing you brought up. When I think about Tristan and Byron, actually, mm-hmm. um, these are things, and and especially Rain, I think actually is probably the one I think about the most. It, it, these are things that like 
I just continually in the back of my mind, sometimes you'll just be sitting there and you'll just start thinking about it and be like, I can't believe this guy wrote this story and tried to do these things. Like, you know, we talked about this on our final episode, but the the degree of difficulty for which Wildbo was, was setting out with this story was extremely high, right? He's telling a story that is by its design kind of disappointing. Um, like, you know, I was thinking about, I think I saw a comment on parahumans cause I still occasionally peruse the subreddit and see, see what the, the people are talking about. Um, and I saw someone say, so, say something to the effect of like the existence of Ward kind of ruins Taylor's ending. And I don't, it's not that I agree with that. I don't, but like just the idea that like, this girl sacrificed basically everything she had to keep things going. And then another book comes along that says, okay, yeah, but turns out that actually wasn't enough and nothing's actually fixed and things are just getting worse. The only thing we can say right now is, Hey, we're alive still. So we have the chance to fix it, but nothing's actually fixed. It, it is inherently kind of like taking an ending of one book and saying, sorry, um, you didn't do as good as you thought you did. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, like by design disappointing. And then a lot of, a lot of the book is beat after beat of, Oh, you thought that you were getting better. Psych. You weren't actually sorry. And that is unsatisfying. And it is, it is like powerful and, and fascinating. And I think most importantly, true in a lot of ways, it's honest. It's an honest portrayal of of people suffering with with uh, guilt and with um, trauma and all these things, and 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 how fucking hard it is to recover from these things. But that is inherently unsatisfying. And so, like, I think as you move away from it, you forget the unsatisfying. You forget the emotionally unsatisfying parts, and you just remember the part was like, oh no, man, that was really great when. Victoria and her wretch like bonded in the shard space, this beautiful moment where they finally, finally understood each other. And that's, that's like, you forget about the pain and the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours that it took to get there. And you're just like, Oh man, that was fucking awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. You bring up that specific moment because as far as I can tell, that was one of the only moments of anything that could be called catharsis <laughs> yeah. in, in, I'm going to be honest, I kind of lump Worm and Ward together, which is is, is not maybe the best because they're very different stories, but um, only moment of catharsis in, in, in both of those stories. And I think that's, I think that's like on purpose. Like that's the, yeah. I, I've, I've thought about how much trouble I had articulating, like what is the thesis? What is the theme of, of Ward? And I feel like, you know, even when we were in the midst of it and, and studying it and living and breathing it, I, I would sort of just say some word salad about trauma and, and recovery. And I, I don't want to be too hard on myself. I, I think I, I think I had some ideas, but I never felt like it was, um, I never felt like I had the cleanest articulation of it. And, and now it's not like I'm, you know, Oh, now I have the cleanest articulation, but now like the part of it that has stuck with me, the thesis of the part of it that has stuck with me is, um, how do you live your life if you are, a being, you know, a person that is permanently unfixably at odds with yourself. Mm-hmm. And you could see this as like a way of, of implementing the, you know, the character's wants versus their needs makes good drama concept in, in storytelling. But, but also I just think it's a good lens for looking at 
psychology. Like, you know, that there's, this is how we all are actually. Like we all have different things that we want that are in contradiction to each other. And if, if you got, if you got this, then it would actually make it impossible to get that. Um, and then you have needs that are unaddressed that you don't want to acknowledge. And these are just yeah. natural parts of being human. And that's really what the story is. And it elevates it using the superhero tropes, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that truth of existence is is actually very like, it's kind of immune to to real catharsis. Like, it, it just is true that sometimes you will want to contradictory things. There's no, and, and there is no magical, um, uh, clever thing that you can do to get both and to have your cake and eat it too. Life yeah. doesn't actually work that way. Um, life doesn't, doesn't usually actually provide you with a nice storytelling solution that gives you your catharsis and, and, or, or, you know, if you're struggling with guilt or something, life doesn't usually provide you with an opportunity to just, you know, do this one thing, snap your fingers, have a good cry. And it's all better now. Everything's better now. You've recovered. Mm-hmm. You've recovered from your trauma. You've, you've recovered from your guilt. Everything you're, you're pristine again. You're, <laughs> you're whole again. You can just move on. Doesn't work that way. And Wildbo, in his stories, I think that's that's his articulation of this idea. Is Wildbo is anti-catharsis. There's yeah. no catharsis. Everybody just lives with their shit, and they do their best. And sometimes they take six steps forward and seven steps back, and that happens a bunch of times because that's how life actually is. And you're right; it is disappointing, and it, and it's kind of unsatisfying in certain ways and i think i think a lot of the complaints about ward back when we were reading it were that kind of tenor where it's people yeah. it's people who are frustrated they're 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 like oh like like why is this not feeling the way i want it to and, and i think Wildbo is not he's like no it's not what this is right you know yeah i mean especially when compared to worm which was you know for a book that i think is exploring a lot of these same things in different ways it is also in many ways, an escapist fantasy about a, a girl who has been, you know, like royally beaten down by life, like taking back some control over it. And and that is that is kind of satisfying in a way, you know, the, the parts of that. And I think I think Worm is way more complicated than that. But I, I think it's a fair read to go into that book and be like, like, I feel good because Taylor is is getting control of all the all the systems and people in her life that have treated her miserably. And so that's great kind of escapist fantasy type of literature. And that's what people look for a lot of times. And so if you come to Ward with that mindset, yeah, you're going to be really annoyed and pissed off because like basically no one would ever describe Ward as an escapist fantasy ever like i i have never wanted to be a character in a superhero story less than in this book like that would be absolutely miserable and 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 yeah i mean like so if you come to books looking for you know a good time which which is not to say that it is not a fun book i think there are many moments of fun in the book um but it it also is is brutal and is exhausting and um i do like i i do wonder and i'm sure people have done this i have, of course neither of us have but i do wonder what the what the kind of binge read would look like of this book what it would feel like um because it, it, in some ways you could argue it would be overwhelming because you would be experiencing all the stuff at once in other ways you could argue we experienced depression over the course of <laughs> a year and a half um like instead of a couple months you know so i i don't know i don't know which w- it would which way 
things would would yeah be better in that regard i think there's you know pros and cons again it's it's like this sure. it's like kind of like i said earlier like there's i think when you binge it you do actually um see the forest and you don't get lost in the trees so much yeah. the downside is you literally forget about half of the trees <laughs> um whereas you know the way that we went through it we we probably remember you know very you know minor minor little you know interactions between capes because we talked about it for 27 minutes um about you know one of the one of the anime posse's costumes or whatever like mm -hmm. like if, if you thought about it for a minute for a minute you would remember that whereas if you if we just blown through it you'd be like what are you talking about i don't even know what you're talking about yeah um but that like that's that's the thing about being where we are now is now you know i feel like i can see the forest a little bit better like the, a metaphor that i've thought about is like re reading a story like this it's like you're wandering around like a landscape that's that's full of of like like sculptures and statues and and you 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 can you can detect the relationships between the statues that are around you and, and you know maybe this one is looking at that one and maybe this one is kneeling to that one and then you it's only once you've walked kind of through the field and you look back at the entire tableau that you can see the the, the whole pattern that was being told by all of the statues but you can't can't really see that until you're done and not not only done but had some time to think about it um yeah i mean and stories need to like kind of carve a space in your your brain and mm -hmm. they can't really settle into that space until you've walked away and had some time away from it for a while so yeah yeah and, and i think it's interesting because i loved victoria so much but i think this the space that has been carved in my brain the most i kind of i gestured towards this earlier is is rain for whatever reason mm -hmm. um and, and i think it's just because it's partially because I really love the character and I really love his journey through the story. It's also because from like a writing conceit, it's really great because like wild Bo starts rain at the end of his arc, basically, uh, or, or the end of what you would expect his arc to be, you know, the, 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 the brainwashed cult member who did horrible things. He's realized those things were horrible. He's, he's, working towards seeking forgiveness and like any other story you pat yourself on the back and say ah oh, yes good look these people can be redeemed there's hope there's there's light shining on the top of that hill and ward takes that and goes actually this is really hard and that he's not even close to being done and really exploring the ways in which existing the world will continue to challenge your ideas of accepting forgiveness um allowing you to forgive yourself and and attempting to live in a world after you've done these terrible things and and are good enough to recognize them as terrible mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i think actually i uh, out of the members of breakthrough that i think about the most probably you know victoria and 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 then tristan and, and byron kind of as, as a unit which you know they'd probably be mad if i said that but their <laughs> their story is kind of inextricably tied together right they, they kind of share the same interlude arc yeah um and and I, and i think you know each of them have that thing where there's like a lingering sort of sense of, of things being unfinished which again i think goes to this idea of of a feeling of unsatisfaction and in, intentional frustration and unsatisfaction because you know i i think a lot about the fact that like Kenzie's ending is just Kenzie continuing to do Kenzie shit. Mm -hmm. You know, she she sneaks into the prison so she can talk to Chris, and it's like, 
this is exactly the kind of like like rule breaking um like you're gonna get in so much trouble uh uh uh, like like you're 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 just you're following the 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 impulse to um to use your power to basically get access to people yeah the same thing she's been doing the whole story that she shouldn't be doing she that's that's literally the last thing that she does in the story and and i always it, it's all like you're like oh my god like seriously like we're 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 ending <laughs> the story here with this character and and again that's 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 the point is yeah um you know she has this conversation with bonesaw and bonesaw is like you know i'm a little bit farther down the road than you um i'm still capable of having a freak out and trying to turn people into lampshades but um but i'm doing better and and that's that's the way it's framed is like it's yeah. It's a problem that you're always struggling with. I think I think that's that's right. And and even I think what the book is saying is even asking the question, is Kenzie better? Is Victoria better? Um, is Amy is Amy better? Those are the wrong questions, is what the book is saying. Is that like, no, of course they're not. Of course they're not better. They probably will never be they will never be all better, all done, did it. Um, it it's always going to be work. It's always going to be a conscious thing that they have to do. And is, that's not fair. It's not fair that they have to go through that, but that's just the way it is. And and they're taking steps and they're going to relapse and that there's going to be horrible moments and, and they're going to keep working at it. And and there is hope in that. There is um, there is a, a little bit of, of, um, of what you were talking about here. There's a little bit of... of positivity that comes out of that of, of optimism that comes out of that even even in this this very kind of sad um you know uncertain future yeah. that our characters live in i guess maybe yeah to to loop back to what i was saying the, the 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 insight or the kind of crystallization for me was realizing like there's really no difference between what you and i struggle with throughout our lives and what these superheroes are, are struggling with in in the in the sense of what Webb was trying to actually talk about, where um, you're never going to be perfected, yeah. You know? you're, you're never going to have have done all of the work and dealt with all of the things that you feel bad about, that you feel angry about, that you feel wronged or you know or guilty if it was your fault, or you know r- problems with relationships that are just not quite right. You're never going to be perfected. You're always going to be struggling. There's always going to be compromises there's always going to be sacrifices or or things that that don't line up or don't work the the way you want them to and does that mean that progress is impossible no does that mean that being happy is impossible no you can find meaning in all sorts of places and i think that's the the you know the parts of the story that are actually beautiful and positive and and kind of delightful are like the times when when breakthrough is kind of working together and and firing on all cylinders and you know, or, or bantering or something, something along, along those lines where yeah. you're seeing that these people in, in the act of coming together to, to get better, they're, they're creating something beautiful amongst themselves. Yeah. Something that creates their own meaning there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right that, you know, existence is, is hard. It's often disappointing. It's cruel. Um, but the, this central idea that, Hey, if we, if we come together, we can create something new. And despite, us all still suffering despite us all still going through these these things and not getting better and 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 having to work towards it we can create something beautiful and something that's that's worth hanging around for Mm -hmm. yeah i like that 
and and this central idea that you know one of the things that's really stuck in my brain is the central idea that everyone is suffering from something mm-hmm. that that I think Wildboat did so beautifully. Like I, I for some for some reason the one conversation that I have a very clear memory of you and I having is and I don't even remember the cape's name, but the realization when one of the capes turns into a titan, right? And this mm-hmm. idea that like you were ready to to hate this person um to to strike them down for the bad things that they were doing and look here's the consequence now and it's not as if that means we must forgive these people and treat them all nice no 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 no. but like we're all going through stuff and we're all suffering from it and when we when we isolate the baddies um they're they're just gonna blow up in our face yeah yeah i i I mean i think that's one of wildbo's fortes in in all Mm -hmm. of all these stories is um emphasizing the humanity of even the people who we don't like 100 percent, 100 percent. um speaking of not liking though i guess one of the things i did want to talk to you about is a lot of people didn't like this book and, and i don't want to relitigate like why the book is good but what i want to talk to you about is one of the things i've been thinking about a lot over the past two years is how doing a show like this changes what you would call good and what you would call bad. Um, because one of the things I was thinking about a lot is the central idea that what did I need from Ward at the end of the day? What did I need from this book? And and honestly, what I needed from this book was I needed there to be something in the two chapters that came out every week that gave me enough to talk about on a podcast, right? <laughs> in an entertaining way, in an intelligent, entertaining way. So what so what I needed from the story was uh, depth and complexity and uh, interesting topics that that we could kind of process and digest live. That's what I needed from Ward. And Ward gave me that every week, week in, week out. You know, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what part of the book we were in, doesn't matter, you know, if it's a it's a, a chapter, a section that most people seem to not like. It consistently and constantly gave me that. And so, like when I say yes, Ward was good, it's because that's what I needed it to be, and that that's what it was. Um, and, and that is so different from what anyone else reading this book would be thinking about. Like, because they, an average reader is approaching this book, wanting a completely different set of things. And I I just, I don't, it, it it distorts in my mind the way, you know, like I, like a review of this book from me would be so different from a review of this book from anyone else. I think. Yeah, that's for, for sure. I mean, once again, you know, everyone's, everyone's review is conditioned implicitly on what they, expect from that medium mm-hmm. and that's the interesting thing about web serials is there's such a different medium that i think i think people try to use the tools of of like thinking about novels to think about web serials yeah and, and then they say oh this is flawed and, and i would say well it's not that's not what it is You're, you can't think about it that way it's it's a totally different thing and you know you said earlier it's, it's meandering and it's like it definitely is meandering <laughs> <laughs> um every web serial that i've ever read gets meandering and i think it's because they had they do that thing where they are more like a tv show than like than like a movie or a book we we talked about this previously where you know that they'll have a you know a season where you know the, the writers are different and it you know <laughs> in, in wild case like he'll have an arc or two where he's he's interested in some particular idea that he'll that he'll kind of follow down the rabbit hole and you know, eventually we kind of get back to what you might call the main trunk of the plot. And it, it might leave you with a feeling of like, well, what did we really accomplish there? And it's like, well, we were entertained is what we accomplished. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, 
I don't know. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about how obvious it's become to me that like uh while though is specifically a master of the web serial medium like as a medium <laughs> um because sure. especially now that we've done this long running deep dive into stephen king who is a you know he's a novelist he has mastered the form of the novel yeah the novel and, and that emphasizes how distinct novels are from web serials because like while does these things where he he, he has these amazing story twists these incredibly you know in, incredibly tense you know game changer moments at the ends of chapters that just leave you like oh my god and then you like you like want to run online and talk about like oh my god like what did that mean what's going to happen you know the, the amazing uh, uh uh like format um fuckery where he makes us think that march uh well first he makes us think march has killed vista and then he makes us think march is has killed foil um and then it's like no you know tr- gotcha right and you're like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh my god this is amazing and that's the kind of thing you just can't do in a book because you're just like you just you know turn the page and, and or, or you just you know keep reading and um it doesn't work and so i think you know this is one thing he's thinking about as he's writing as he's thinking about he's kind of being a bit of a stage magician who's aware of his audience yeah in a very like like alive sense of like how are they gonna how are the how are they going to respond? Literally, the moment I hit publish in this on this, what what is the reaction going to be in in the in the living breathing community as it exists? Yeah, um, I think you're right here. This is this is such a good point, and, and it's something that you know when I approached these books, especially Worm, I approached it as a novel because you know why why wouldn't I right? Like it was mm-hmm. a it was a completed thing. I had never read a web serial before. We were not reading it live, and so I approached it as a novel, and and so my critique and my analysis of it was was novel based and yeah i mean i think one of the things we kind of learned very quickly in ward is that it, do- it doesn't work that way like it, it, covering the thing live that's not what it is and and i do see people like constantly ask like when is War- when is worm going to be published when is this going to be when is this going to happen and like i'm not saying that it shouldn't happen um or that it will never happen but like i think you're absolutely right that that this guy has has kind of like claimed this medium of storytelling and he's living in it because it's the one that he seems to like and it's the one that's working for him and it is unique and needs to be treated separately you cannot come to it with the same tools that you would come to a novel and expect everything to lay out in that way it just doesn't it doesn't work that way yeah yeah i think a lot of you know the story expectations don't don't quite line up no um I mean, just just the simple fact that one of like the next question I was going to ask you was actually like, what interlude stands out to you the most in retrospect? Um, and the whole concept of interlude is something that is that almost I think wouldn't work in a novel format. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the novels have had interludes before, but you're right that it doesn't feel the same. Um, uh, yeah, and like like to, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to say words as I think of an answer to your question, but. Um, <laughs> I think generally, like, I think you could cut 50% of the words out of the story and, like, make a story that that talks about the same themes if you wanted to release a novel about it. Like, I think you could do that. And I'm not saying it would be better or worse, but I think it could be done. And that just goes to show how different this medium is. And it's not like I'm saying wild bill writes too much we need to cut 50 percent of a story i'm not saying that it's just it's a different medium um mm-hmm. so to, to answer your question it's kind of colored difficultly for me uh-huh. um 
the, the, the first thing that jumped into my mind is the Tristan Byron interludes. And, and I don't know if how much of that is wrapped up in the extreme pushback we got for the way we talked about those things. And so they're just the ones that are always kind of on my mind. I still love those interludes to death. I love that story. I find it really fascinating. I continue to find it fascinating the ways in which um, I think the book is cleverly showing how these two brothers are both kind of broken and failing to communicate with each other um, in, in a way that I think is more complex than a lot of what I saw the general read on it was, which is my complicated way of saying I still disagree with all the people that got mad yeah. at me. But no, that's, I, that's I, I, I now I'm now even more sure that you're right. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the reason is like my kids are two years older and I'm able to observe just like what are definitely just normal, healthy sibling dynamics, except the part of healthy sibling dynamics is conflict mm-hmm. and especially conflict when the kids want well, there's one of this toy <laughs> and they all want it or, or, you know, two out of three of them want it at the same time. And, and they're, they're going to fight over it and, and, you know, and they love each other as much as they possibly can, but they're going to fight over it and they're going to bicker and they're going to appeal to me to intercede on their behalf. And they're in short going to be children about it. And fundamentally, like th- the great thing about the Tristan Byron story is it generalizes wonderfully to the idea of just having siblings. Um, you know, it's, it's yeah. about twins specifically, but I, I feel like anybody who's had siblings has, has felt those feelings of, of frustration and, um, you know, I, I think there's even a deeper sense in which like as a very small child, um, if your parent is paying more attention to the other sibling, um, then you feel like, like really bad, like, yeah. <laughs> like, like much worse than is reasonable, you know? And, um, and that's something that you, you always hear about when, when there's young children and then that kind of gets baked into your brain. So, yeah. you know, and, and it elevates and escalates them to extreme levels because that's mm-hmm. what these stories do, right? You take yeah. this idea of two siblings that are so different from each other and are, are having specific conflict based around those differences because they are just completely different people and the way that's manifesting. And then you take that and you escalate it to fucking 11 mm-hmm. by forcing them in constant contact with each other in a way that is specifically triggering to the ways in which they upset each other. And it's such a wonderful, fascinating idea that I love so much. And and the only real reason I pushed back against the read that, oh, Byron is just the abused one and Tristan is the abuser. And that's the that's like the only level of complication in this in this whole relationship. That's it. There's nothing to read beyond it is I just think that sells how beautifully drawn this thing is short a little bit. Like, I just think it's so much more complicated than that in the best possible way um that i i it just like it feels like if we just conclude in this black and white way we're selling this whole thing short which is which is not to say that tristan did not do terrible horrible things obviously he did you know faking your brother's death and forcing him to live in in a hell inside of you for months was the it was a bad call ripley (laughs) it was it was a bad call he did a horrible horrible thing i'm not trying to justify or excuse that all i'm saying is that when we meet these two brothers, they are two people that are in a conflict-ridden, contentious relationship with each other. 
that that is both pinging off of their specific personality types and the ways in which those personality types do not mesh well, but are forced to mesh well because they live together because they are brothers and they don't have a choice in that. And the fucking shards doing what they do say, oh, you're having conflict here in this, right? That Let's make that 7,000 times worse. Yeah. Right, because I, I think one thing we talked about back then is just the idea that that if if you were you know physically chained to your siblings, um, I think mo- most people grow up and then they become great friends with their siblings. I think that's yes. the, the, that's the normal experience. If if you you know graduated high school but you were you were chained at the wrist to your siblings, I don't think that 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 relationship would evolve that way because you you really do need that space from each other to mm-hmm. like. R- to actually come to appreciate each other and, and re- you know, realize like, oh, this person is like, it's really cool that I have this this other adult who's like really similar to me and and we get along really well. Like that's really unique and special actually. But yep. if you're just it, it, like, it's because you're cr- crammed into the same household with them that you can't see that when you're young. And that's that's the the thing is they've been denied the opportunity to, to grow beyond that. And I don't know, there's yeah. the, like, that's, <clears throat> this is the, this is the like er complaint that I have or the, the er conflict that I have with kind of different elements of the fandom is like, look, while both providing these people who've done terrible things, be it Regent or Kraus or, um, or Tristan, um, as a way of, of thinking about yourself, yeah, they're they're not there for you to be like, oh, that piece of shit. Oh God, I hate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's okay. Like yeah, I mean, on some level, you're going to react that way, um, and and that's probably the reaction like during the actual seconds of time where I'm actually reading the words. Um, but that's like okay, then then you're done with that reaction, and then you get to have like the interesting, like introspective reaction. Um, yeah, and- yeah, I, I agree, and and that's that's why I like. It's not that I. It's not necessarily that I disagree with the, the complaints that people had with our stuff, which, by the way, we still get emails and comments about the, <laughs> that stupid interlude like all fucking fucking time. Uh-huh. And then I get to be angry all over again. Um, but it, it's more that I just feel like if you're just going to paint it as black and white, you're just like not engaging with the book on the level I think it should be engaged at. So it's not like I I care that you disagree with me. It's just like, no, I, I actually think that the book is doing something way more complicated than you're giving it credit for. And that's that's where my annoyance comes from. Yeah, I mean, I... I clearly agree. And, yeah, um, yeah. But I love Tristan and Byron, and I think those interludes are fantastically well-written. Like, I, I the, the being in their minds as... The, the relationship escalates to these horrible, horrible levels and just like recognizing how fucked they are. Like just this idea that Byron is like hurting himself because of this. And he's having this relationship with this, this woman that he, he feels intense guilt about because of his brother. Um, and then Tristan has like one thing that helps him like release tension, um, which is like going out and partying and stuff like that. And, and maybe, you know, elevating to something physical and he can't do that either because that's taken away from him and it's Mm -hmm. just like the way we get into their minds and the way we escalate this conflict bit by bit by bit until it boils over and tristan makes the worst possible choice he could is just some of the best writing and i know that's not what you asked one interlude it's it's several interludes over the course of that arc but i just i love how that whole story plays out and i love where we get to the end of it um i'm still very very sad that Tristan doesn't make it out of this thing. 
Um, but he does kind of, you know, kind I mean, of, yeah. it's, it's a certain way. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's uh, my, you know, I, I, I share your inability to, to give a single succinct answer. And I think that's, <laughs> I think that's actually cause this book is, is designed very differently than Ward was, uh, than Worm was. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm just not going to get any book name right today. So, <laughs> um, than Worm was because Worm, uh, if I recall correctly, there were only two, uh, interlude arcs where the whole arc was interludes. And, and those, you know, and those are among the most memorable arcs. Uh, no, three, there's three, there's three interlude arcs. Yeah. And those are, and those are among the most memorable arcs of the story. And then here we have basically, um, I'm probably not exactly right in this, but you know, basically like multiple interludes, multiple interludes culminating in something like an interlude arc for each of our breakthrough characters. And so there's, there's more of them. We go into way more depth on them and then we spend the whole rest of the story sort of with them, even though they're not the protagonist. And, and so, yeah, when you ask, if you ask me like, what are the, what are the, what are the interludes I remember? Like I, I might say like, ah, oh, Eclipse. And it's like, no, Eclipse is an arc. Eclipse is eight <laughs> chapters, you know, um, or, you know, or, or the Tristan Byron or, or the, or the rain stuff, which is even more kind of like, yeah, we're switching points of view and like, like, well, is, you know, we're, we're in Snag's points of view or we're, we're in Love Lost point of view, but I kind of all, I kind of see those as all being part of rain's story actually. Um, and, you know, as, as far as single interludes go, I, I, I guess I can just say succinctly that the one that does stand out as distinctly memorable by itself is Dauntless. Um, and I just thought that was like kind of a kind of a perfect little short story. Yeah. And, and I found it really emotional uh, uh, in a different way, maybe than the other ones. And I think it spoke to me for personal reasons also. Um, yeah. Um, the only good parent in the pair mm-hmm. of humans. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, you're, you're right. I love that interlude. Um, and I'll let you talk in a minute. I, the, the only thing I wanted to say was that I haven't reread that. And when I read it the first time I was not a father and now I am. So I'm, I am really curious about how that hits me differently. Yeah. I'd be curious to hear about that because it, it probably will. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right broadly that one of the biggest differences between Worm and Ward outside of, you know, specifically what it's trying to do is you can tell Ward is a book that's written by an author with a lot more experience. And so he's trying to push the format a little bit. Like Worm is very, um, I'm trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't make it seem like it's bad. It's just, it's, it's very committed to its, its structure in that, you know, we have this very kind of tried and true here we have an arc and then at the end of the arc we'll have an interlude and then we'll we'll move on from that. And then he kind of pushes against that a little bit as the story goes on. But I think one of the things about Ward is that it just is constantly pushing against that structure. And, and Wildbow is never limiting himself and what he wants to do based on what the standard serial structure that he's created is. He'll say, I want to have five interludes in the middle of this arc and I'm going to do it. And they're just going to be random in here and I'm going to name them different things. And there's like, it's funny because I remember having a very difficult time as we went kind of predicting there was a lot of talk about like, is this the last chapter of the arc? Are we moving on to another arc after this? And and part of the reason we did that is because we were trying to figure out, okay, how do we structure this as far as episode releases? Is this the end of the arc? Because we do a little bit something extra at the end of arcs. And we never knew for sure. Um, and I think it's, I, I like that he's experimenting with the structure. And again, I haven't read much of Pale, but I, I understand he's 
gone on to further experiment with with his serial structure. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know uh, what exactly, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I guess one of the big differences here, and, and maybe maybe we can talk kind of a little bit about not necessarily the book, but covering the book, because we we have kind of talked about how covering Ward is just so different from covering Worm the way we did or covering the Stephen King books the way we do. And one of the big differences is, is it in the fandom? Um, you know, people that listen to our Kingslingers podcast pretty much like all the Stephen King books, right? Like, like I, I find it difficult to believe there's a, a huge chunk of listeners that are listening to us talk about these books that just don't like them. Right. Yeah. Um, because they've been out for a while. And and presumably you've read them. And and that's not entirely true. There are some listeners I know for sure that have followed us from We've Got Ward over there and and have read the books kind of along with us for the very first time. And so some of them, you know, didn't like the book. I know we had some people that started out with us early and then just kind of dropped off because the books weren't doing anything for them. So that's not 100 percent true. But, you know, I would say 95 percent of the people that listen to us week in and week out are really enjoying the content and really enjoying the content we're making our content on with ward. That wasn't necessarily true, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a ton of people reading the book that just weren't liking the book and then listening to us talk about a book that they just weren't liking. And so the feedback we got is so different than the feedback we got during we've got worm and the feedback we currently get during Kingslingers. It's just yeah. so, so different. And yeah. it, it, it honestly, there's a lot of negativity to it. And there's a lot of it that left a bad taste in my mouth of people just not liking the book and getting really mad at us because we did. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, getting, getting mad at us, getting mad at choices in the book. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the problems with, with covering something live as I, I sorry to, to step on what you were saying, but like the issue is, you're you, you've committed to something maybe you thought it was going to be just like worm you thought mm-hmm. it was going to be worm too and it's not it's not being what you wanted it to be and now you're kind of mad and now you're kind of hate reading it and um and that's and that kind of messed up the whole the whole dynamic i yeah. mean what's fun what's funny in retrospect I, I think i can say this very clearly is like it was it was maybe one percent of our <laughs> listeners oh yeah oh, who yeah. were actually doing who were actually generating that negativity like because we can see the actual numbers it was probably less than 1%. It was probably. probably less than 1% of our listeners who were generating all the negativity. And what I regret is <sighs> reacting to it. Like it's waste. It, it, it's, it's not that criticism of the book is invalid. It's just like, first of all, it was often the same criticisms over and over. And you're mm-hmm. like, okay, fine, mm-hmm. cool. You're entitled to your opinion. And then we, and then I can move on. But like, it was, it was hard to move on when it was like, that was, kind of the, the bullhorn was, was coming into like every week's thread, you know? Um, yeah. Um, and it, you're, you're, you're right. I, I think the worst part about it is it's not entertaining. Like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're making a product that mm-hmm. we want to be entertaining and like us engaging with that kind of criticism is not very entertaining in my mind. And I mean, yeah. I, we made this mistake and we've got worm. Um, and I think we continue to make the mistake and we've got ward. I think the difference is the criticism in worm and ward were so different because again, I think the majority of people listening to us talk about worm were people that really liked the book. So the criticism there was weird because it was like, 
Scott, you're really loving this book, but you're not loving it in the right way, <laughs> which I always just found silly because it's like, okay, like we both really, really love this thing. I just see something different in it than you do and you're getting mad at me for it. Okay, whatever. But there was a lot of it coming in, in Worm that were people that just flat out didn't like the story. They just weren't liking it. They weren't liking what it was doing. They didn't think it was well written. And again, that's fine. I don't care. Um, I, 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 I think one of the big changes in my life in the past couple of years is I much better now at just kind of looking at those comments and just being like fuck off and then just like moving <laughs> on with my life right like i just i just don't i just don't care anymore and and to your point it's not that criticism is not valid there are plenty of reasons to not like this book but this is not necessarily what we're talking about here mm -hmm. um there's things in this book that i didn't like certainly um there's things that in the moment i didn't like there's things that you know moving past it i didn't like i still I, we're wading into some shit here with this map, but I, I'm still not certain how I feel about Amy as a character that exists in the story. And that's a thing that I think has for me aged particularly poorly. Um, I understand her purpose in the novel and what she's doing and, and why that's important to what the novel is saying. But I just don't think she's the big exception to like everything that Wildwood does. And that I don't think she functions as a, as a human being. She's just a monster and that's it. Yeah, um, I, I think my my feeling is that I never think about that aspect of the story. And I think the reason is because it was so like different from everything else. It didn't fit. It didn't cohere. Um, it, I'm speaking in terms of storytelling here. Like, sure. Like it, it, it was an element where... It, it was almost like Amy as, as a story element worked perfectly until she actually showed up in the story. <laughs> and then everything yeah. kind of fell apart. Um, for it, and, and not in a way where it like fell apart and like, Oh, the story's bad now for me. It, it was more like, Oh, it, this, this has turned into a different thing. And, you know, obviously it was, I think that's what Wildbo wanted to do with it. He wanted to take it in that direction. But, yeah, but yeah. for me, it was it, it became, um, I guess, more muddled than I'm used to from Wildbo. Like, that's one thing I'll say about Wildbo is I would never describe Wildbo as muddled. Mm -hmm. Like, like the, the, the worst interlude he's ever written, I wouldn't call muddled. I, I would say he, he has a clear sense of where he's going with this. Maybe, you know, this, this, and this didn't work about this chapter, but it's you're you're never unclear about like what you're supposed to walk away feeling about it mm -hmm. and and the the amy stuff i i think there were like too many conflicting kind of um factors involved yeah. well i think a lot of this comes from the fact that you know frankly i missed what happened in worm mm -hmm. I, I did not fully comprehend what happened in that book with amy and mm -hmm. and so i had an idea and expectations of Amy in my head, leaving that book and, and moving on. And I think, you know, if you ask Wildbo, and I think we kind of did in the interview, one of his biggest critiques of himself would be that like, he didn't nail the clarity of those, those scenes. And I think mm -hmm. part of that is just being a very new writer who is writing one of the most disgusting and vile acts that a human being can do to another human being and had uh, understandable concern with, being clear in it because that would be very very off-putting and disturbing and so kind of tried to couch it as much as possible in gestures towards what happened and 
uh, a lot of people miss those gestures, yeah. myself included. I think I want to, I want to, I want to center on that for a second because it's so interesting to me how um, parahuman stories are full of the most fucked up shit. Yeah. Um, I, I I routinely have people tell me like I I, I in the circles I run in I, I talk to a lot of people who've read parahumans or or uh, people who tell me yeah I tried to and I bounce off because it's just too horrific and dark. And what's funny to me is like, I think you and I had this conversation where it's like, I guess our minds are warped from watching all those <laughs> 80s action movies when we were seven years old. Yeah. Because, because none of it's like, I kind of think the dark, heinous shit is, is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But what was, what was interesting to me, literally last week, we, we came upon this chapter of, of the Stephen King novel, Black House, that we're covering right now. And it was, it was like, it was horrific. It was highly disturbing to me. And I was like, this is interesting. You know, this is interesting to me because... I, it's not that I thought I was immune to being horrified, but it's really hard to horrify me. And and it's like, well, why did this specific? I'm not going to spoil Black House, obviously, but it's like, I think everybody kind of has their own um, specific combination of factors that that come into play, and and it just it just it it pushes them over the edge. And I think that's really it's really difficult to <laughs> to play to, to to swim in the waters that 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 these stories exist in because they're just there's just horrible shit wall to wall and um and it's very difficult to kind of have the appropriate level of sensitivity <laughs> yes while you're doing that right it's like it's yes. like wait a minute so like i'm allowed to have um um siberian walk around with eight people shish kebab on her arms <laughs> but like i'm not but like if i do this thing over here it's going to upset a lot of people and and it's it's not actually obvious like where those lines are, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think as, especially as a as 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 you know, a more you know journeyman writer, I, I think Wabo yeah. wasn't quite secure on on where that line was, or you know, I, I don't even know if I knew that such a line existed until until it was it was evidently stumbled across a few times, and then and then yeah. people reacted, you know. Well, I mean, we as a culture are, are understandably very sensitive about sexual assault. You know, like, 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 and well, I, like, I, okay, I, I don't want to contradict. Obviously, you're right, but shish kebabbing people is <laughs> also really horrible. It's just, it's, yeah, it's horrible in a way that's comically unrealistic, right? To the point where your brain just kind of goes like, <laughs> you know, which, which is kind of, kind of an interesting, weird fact about humans that, that we have that reaction for something that is objectively like it would be it would be the worst thing you've ever seen if you saw that in real yeah. life, but we just laugh it off if it's, if it's in fiction. Yeah. Well, cause nobody's actually bone sawing people, but right. people are exactly. raping people all the time. And, and like, yes, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just sort of indicating that why it's clear, why it's sometimes hard to figure out where that line might be. Right. Right. And so like, I, I think going into ward, you have a book where, okay, my protagonist is going to be a, a victim of sexual assault and her, her, you know, rapist is going to be a character in the book and how do I do this? And, you know, you know, going into the book, I honestly thought not that there was going to be catharsis or forgiveness or anything going on between them necessarily, but I also did not have a clear picture in my head of what actually happened. And and part of the mission of this book is to make that very, very clear. And it does that by kind of just making Amy into an unrepentant monster, which I'm not saying is the wrong choice. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, there's certainly people that exist like that in, in the real world, right? That just have no 
concept of what the, the, what they did was wrong. And I think there are moments in the in the book that I think do a really good job of getting into Amy's head and kind of understanding why she cannot see that what she did was wrong. But I do feel like as we move further and further into the story, I think the, the mission seems to be coming from a, a book in which it wasn't clear and and that's okay let's be let's be like me saying it wasn't clear as an opinion not a statement of fact right but it wasn't clear exactly what happened in those those amy interludes um and so i the author and i'm i don't uh, first of all we're we're making a lot of suppositions here we don't actually know these things right we haven't talked a while both specifically about this so we're supposing um I, I want to make it very, 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 very clear in this book what happened. And so I, I am not going to – I'm going to be very, very clear with who Amy is and and what she does and why the thing she does is bad. And then it just kind of flattens her a little bit in a way that I found less satisfying. Um, I'm totally fine with her being a monster. Totally fine with that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. She was just a little bit more two-dimensional than a lot of other wild book characters tend to be. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, I think the reason for that is, is, you know, she, as a character, we cross this line that, that kind of doesn't allow her to be, to be humanized. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Now I can just say like, oh, Amy has borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. which is not a term that I knew at the time, or maybe I knew it, but I didn't understand, understand that, yeah. that was exactly like, like, I, I think we tried a few times to be like, well, she, uh, you know, you can kind of describe it. It's like, no, she just has BPD. She has borderline personality disorder. You read the symptomology of BPD, it just describes Amy. It's mm-hmm. it's exactly Amy. It's fear of abandonment, uh, uh, unstable, intense, uh, idealizing relationships of people, um, rapidly changing self-image and 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 goals, uh, uh, risky behavior. Uh, 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 spontaneous uh, self-destructive decisions feelings of emptiness losing your temper mood swings 100 <laughs> percent. So so, so 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 like wild Bo's, like he's not even like reaching into the depths of, of hell to like pull out some caricature of, of like a bad person it's like oh geez this is not even that uncommon of a personality disorder and you know i think that's one of the interesting things about the whole approach here is like the the, the by the by that i mean like the idea of, of these parahumans characters being like flawed people who we can relate to, it actually becomes a little bit wobbly when you start talking about severe personality disorders. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you don't have a, like, like a personality disorder is a distinct thing from a lot of the other problems that people struggle with and they're much harder to treat Typically, people with personality disorders don't want them to be treated because they don't think there's anything wrong with them. It, it's I think it's not a coincidence that relatively few of the characters in Parahumans have what you would call a personality disorder. And the ones that do are basically like Amy, Jack Slash. Um, cradle, right? You know, Cradle, to, yeah, definitely Cradle. Like, like the ones who are sort of just like, this person just sucks and we and <laughs> like we want them to die, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting thing that that kind of emerged for me over time. Sure, um, sure. Especially as I became more aware of of like the, the, the finer points of the symptomology of personality disorders. Yeah, no, I think I think you're spot on there. And and it, yeah, I mean, like overall, it's a pretty minor complaint. I, I, it's funny because we started this talking about how I don't care about other people's complaints. Um, and well, I was trying to justify my statement 
by showing one of the things that I didn't particularly love. And then we went on a whole rabbit hole, but Hey, uh, the people that listen to the show know we do that. Um, I, I just, I just think like to, to kind of try to wrangle us back to the topic at hand. Um, I just think that like, it was an interesting experience watching people not uh, hate read, um, is maybe too harsh of a statement, but there certainly were some of those people. Um, and, and having to interact with those people in a way that we hadn't before and haven't since that, that, mm-hmm. you know, for us, this is a pretty unique phenomenon in everything that we've covered because we didn't really see that in worm. Haven't really seen that in any of the dark tower stuff. Um, specific only to, to, to ward. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, I think it's interesting because that is yet, yet again, one of the problems with the keeping up with something live phenomenon is, yeah. is I think that, that, that people got the impression that they could like actually persuade us that the book was bad. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's not, that's probably not a, that's probably not something we should have fed. Yeah. Uh, not, not, not that we fed it too much, but I think even by responding to certain things, it, it, it is a way of, of feeding that. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and a lot of this was just, you know, coming out of worm, it was the first time we had an audience. And so people were giving us feedback and we were like, Oh my God, there's people listening to us. Let's respond mm-hmm. to each and every one of them. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, is growing and learning which are the things that you can just f- freely say, you know, I don't, uh, even if you're right, I don't see any need for me to engage in that particular yeah. line of, of right. things. Yeah. I, I, I um, it, I just want to s- say, I think that's kind of, somewhat important to, to, to say this, like, like now when I see somebody who disagrees with me about a take that I had on a, on a podcast, I'm usually just like, mm, that's interesting. And then I just move on with my day. Like, it's not like I'm like, you know, you idiot. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like I like, I, I'm, I'm just like, I don't, it's not um, possible for me to, to react to that. And that's, right, I think right. that's the healthier way of, of doing what we're doing. Like, like, because it was, I, I don't think it was, I think like you said, it actually was kind of a source of ongoing negativity when we were having to deal with those things. It, it ruined my days too. Like, mm-hmm. it, like I would allow these things to ruin my day in, in a way that was extremely unhealthy for me. And mm-hmm. I, I, you're right. I finally got into a place where I don't let it do that before. Because we, like we said, we still get emails and messages from people about shows that we've done five years ago. My favorite comments are the ones that are talking about something very specifically that I said four (laughs) years ago that I have absolutely no memory of and therefore could not even defend to myself if I wanted to. So I, I, my, my mental way of dealing with that is, Oh, they're probably right. (laughs) Cause Mm -hmm. I don't, cause I don't remember. Oh, they're probably right about that. So, okay. Yeah. And I just move on. I mean, what's, what's funny. Sometimes I'm like, I bet, I bet that if they just listen to the next episode, then that thing that, that they're complaining about will be addressed. And mm-hmm. so I'll just, I'll just let that take care of itself. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this at the end of ward, but like the, the, the stuff we did in worm with the, you're being unfair to Taylor and not like, I, I regret all that. And, and not because it wasn't fun at some points, but just like, I just don't think that's the type of show I wanted to produce. And I mean, we've got plenty of emails from people on the Stephen King stuff that are just like, I flat out disagree with your interpretation of who Roland is as a human being. And yeah, my reaction is just like, that's cool. <laughs> I'm I'm glad. I'm glad that we, we don't agree. That's great. I'm sometimes just listening to a person that disagrees with you helps you clarify your own opinion. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Right. Well, I think there's this also I've come to the realization that like 
I've really internalized the idea that like there's no such thing as being right about most of these things. So it's yeah, like, yeah, it's this all, is how yeah. I feel about the story. Well, I don't and, know what you're trying to accomplish. Like, <laughs> Right. And, and people are in constant flux. So like mm-hmm. the person that talked about Worm five years ago is not the same person that I am now. Like mm-hmm. not even close. Like that, I, I would probably read different parts of that completely differently. Um, I, I don't think my fundamental opinion of what the themes of the the book are doing would would shift but like the individual moments and scenes i'm a way different person i've experienced Mm -hmm. a lot of different things in my life since then and so it's constantly changing and in flux so yeah there's no there's no one right answer to any of this and there never is and and i totally understand defending your opinion i get that but like don't expend too much energy doing that because it just doesn't matter yeah, I think, you know, this is one of the underlying reasons why we have this attitude of, of you know, I love this, which has kind of become the, the company motto, which mm-hmm. is which is just like, it's kind of just a waste of all of your psychic juices to um, just go on and on about how something's bad. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's much more fun and rewarding to talk about how it's good. And if you disagree with me and you don't think it's good, then like, you you don't have to correct me. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Just just let you know. Just let let it go. Let it go. Um, yeah. <laughs> Taylor was perfect. Just let it yeah. go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's that's Ward. I loved this book, Matt. I really did. I really did love it. And I have such you know, w- with the exception of all the negativity we just spent the last twenty minutes talking about, I have such fond memories of covering this book, of getting to hang out with you every week and talk about it and try to guess where the story was going. Um, try to figure out what's going on, try to figure out why Eric actually isn't all that bad. Um, <laughs> he's, he's just a, he's a normal guy. He's fine. Uh-huh. Why yeah. do we hate this guy so much? I see he's you, totally you're fine. trying to just drive the episode into the ditch. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it was a huge part of our lives. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I especially because it, it was, it was sort of a continuation with, the worm project so it was just like this yeah this huge chunk of our lives and um yeah i i, I uh i do think about the stories a lot especially in times of of crisis and struggle which i think i don't know what better compliment i can pay them right yeah like if <laughs> if 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 it's if it's your source of stability and in, in hard times then then it then it is by definition very important to you right so yeah that is that is still what it is to me even two years on that's so great and i I agree with you i think there is like i will never forget the the characters of breakthrough i will never i will always remember these kids and the things that they were struggling with and kind of the moments of of awe at the way they look at a problem that i think would completely knock me down and prevent me from getting back up and they find a way to get through it it's it's inspiring and yeah. it makes you want to be a better person it makes you want to work a little harder it makes you want to be a little less resentful a little less angry a little more forgiving a little more accepting all these things yeah absolutely i agree what a great book loved it all right well scott um <laughs> are, are we are we done talking about ward now i think we are done officially talking about ward at least for uh, another two years at least for um, another two years yeah so what are uh, what are we up to these days? Yeah, so if you miss our, our dulcet tones, and by that I mean Matt's, because my voice is fine, Matt's is great. Um, we are 
as as we've talked about many times on this on this show so far, we are continuing our exploration of Stephen King. Uh, we went through his entire Dark Tower series, and then we've spent the last year going through the books tangential to the Dark Tower series. Uh, we're covering a book Black House right now, and we'll be covering Stephen King's The Stand here in a couple of months. Um, so if you have read these books or have not read these books, but you want to listen to people talk about some books, uh, you can check those out. Uh, we're also continuing to produce our Doofcast show. Matt, what are we doing right now on the Doofcast? We're doing a huge, huge project. Yeah, we're doing uh, deconstructing Ridley Scott, which means we go through every one of Ridley Scott's films in order week by week. And we talk about um, that movie in detail. And, mm-hmm. you know, we did a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, we did, you know, Alien and Blade Runner, which are a couple of his earliest films, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Those are really great conversations. Um, you know, we've done, a, we've done a, a few different, you know, deconstructing director series and just covered a bunch of stuff over on the Doofcast. And I, I don't know if, you know, people know or, or remember that we also do a monthly book club on the Doofcast feed where we do a different uh, novel, you know, every every month. We've done over 50 of them now. Yeah. Um, so we've been doing that for over 50 months, which is kind of crazy. And I think well over 50 now. Um, and and right now we're doing uh, The Terror um, by Dan... Simmons, Simmons. Is that right? Dan yep. Simmons, yeah, which I'm I'm really enjoying a lot. I am too. Um, um, that's going to be coming out next Friday, so the 27th of May, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Stephen King project, though, I, I just want to mention, like, like the, the Wild Bow project was us being, you know, relatively young podcasters, and and me saying like, hey, like this is one of my favorite authors. I can virtually guarantee you're going to love this story. <laughs> and then and then I like trapped you into talking about that for like several years and and now and now it was like your turn to be like well matt this is one of my favorite authors and i can virtually guarantee you're gonna like this and and i have yeah. <laughs> so uh stephen king i, I it's funny because i had very little familiarity with stephen king before we started the project but he's he's risen to be one of my favorite authors as well and and that's that, um that's a, that's been a really great project makes me so happy and um yeah i i I, I love Stephen King, obviously. Um, and it's it's so fascinating to me. He is such a different author than Wild Bo is, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he what he's trying to do, what he wants to do, they're different. So, you know, it's it's the same two people talking about two completely different authors. And so, you know, we we kind of approach the books the same way where we have specific things we like talking about, which is I mean, it, it, the overall is the really fun thing about this format is that the format is so heavily based on you and me. And the things we like in stories and the things we like talking about in stories, which is very specific and unique to us. You know, there's been there's been a lot of projects since we made We've Got Worm that have taken that same central idea and run with it, both in Worm itself and, and in some other books. And uh, people sometimes ask us, like, how we feel about these things. Well, obviously, we like it a lot because we've, we've brought some of them on board our, our platform. But in general, I think it's just cool because, well, first of all, it's flattering. And then second of all, every single human being is going to talk about a different thing when reading a book because you're just different. And so like if, if Ruben and Elliot were to cover Ward or Worm, they would talk about different things than we did. If we were to cover Pale, we talk about different things than they did. And so like, it's just really cool to see what different people pull out of the same, the same piece of media. So I, I love all those projects. I got distracted though. The point I'm saying is, Stephen King is so different. And so our conversations are a little bit different because he's trying to do different things, but it's just so fun to talk about them. Yeah. 
Right. I, I feel like, you know, as we've covered just so many different things on all these projects, we picked up more tools for, for talking oh, yeah. about stories too. Um, I don't think it's too conceited to say we've never been better at this than we are right now. I, I mean, I, I agree that it's, it's not too conceited because if you didn't get better at something after practicing it this many hours, then that would be really embarrassing. Um, yeah, you're right. But Thank God, but, I hope I'm better. Like, Fuck. like I think if, if, you know, we were to go back in time and do, you know, worm again with our current skill set, it would be like quite a different show actually. Um, yeah. Not, you know, I think what we did was, was great, but like also like, I just have so many more ways to take things now. So yeah, for sure. And, and like I said, we're different people. Like yeah. I, as a father, I don't know how I would, I'd probably be like, man, Danny's the fucking best. He's praised <laughs> a perfect dad. He never did anything wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, Matt, that is going to do it for us. Uh, make sure you, you check out all those shows and, and y'all, if you aren't listening to pale reflections or pale in comparisons, the two podcasts running on wild bow works on our network right now that are covering both pale and packed. I don't know what you're doing. Why aren't you listening to those? It's, it's our friends, Ruben and Elliot and Malia and Jenny talking about the same books that you love. So you should be downloading them and listening to them. What are you doing? What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, but you can check all those out. Go to doofmedia.com and you can see everything we're currently doing. Um, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at doofmedia and, uh, and subscribe on YouTube to make sure you don't miss anything, anything that we are ever doing because we didn't even announce that we're doing this episode, Matt. We're just going to drop this tomorrow. Yeah. Remember how we used to give our Twitter handles at the end of every episode and yeah. nobody would ever fucking follow us? Well, yeah, but at more actually... mail, go follow me on Twitter. Matt, the thing is, nobody knows how to fucking spell that. You picked the worst possible name. I know. I don't okay. even know how to pronounce it. It's been six years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for us. I don't remember how we ended these episodes. So, uh, I, yeah, I didn't copy that part of the script over. Um, we're just going to have to end it. Yeah, you know, watch out for your uh, trigger event, everybody. Long days and pleasant superpowers. Yep.